Thanks for joining the DermVet podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist, also a mom of two trying to find the balance just like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. Thanks for joining me today. I am really excited about today's topic, though I will probably be excited about every topic just because I love dermatology so much. But today's topic is really important. Today we're going to cover pododermatitis. And it's a big topic. There are a lot of disease processes that can cause pododermatitis. It's one of the most common things that we see in veterinary dermatology. So we're not going to get through every single thing that can cause inflammation of the paws, but go over some of the more basic and more common diseases that we do see presented. There's no doubt that as dermatologists, we are inspecting the feet a lot. (laughs) Lots of spreading the toes and really evaluating the claw folds and the claws and the paw pads. Today, we're going to go over more traditional inflammatory diseases of the paw. We are not going to cover foot pads specifically. Um, foot pads are something that we will cover in a different podcast. There's just so many things that can affect the foot pad and the paws and the claw folds and the claws themselves. So we're just going to focus on inflammatory pododermatitis and cover the foot pads at a later date. To start, when we talk about pododermatitis, that is not a true diagnosis. It's just like if you have a client come in and say, oh, they have dermatitis and they're convinced that's the disease process. Pododermatitis is just a clinical description more than anything. So obviously dermatitis, inflammation of the skin and podo referring to the foot or paw. So don't put that down as a true diagnosis because it's just a descriptive term for when you're seeing inflammation towards the paw. When we start talking about pododermatitis, the first big tip I have for you guys is even if a client comes in to talk about they're licking their paws or their paws are swollen or they're really red, when you go to examine that animal, you still need to do a full exam. So I still want you parting the hairs and looking at the trunk, evaluating the perianal area, evaluating around the mouth, still doing your otoscopic exam, because all these things are really important. And finding different lesions on other parts of the body can really help you with a diagnosis of what is actually causing the pododermatitis. So when a client comes in and has a specific complaint about a specific anatomic region, I'm still evaluating the entire patient to pick up clues that maybe the client didn't see at home because they weren't doing as thorough as an exam as we would. So you've done your thorough exam and say we're just located to the pause, like there's truly an inflammatory process at the pause. Then just like any other workup, you want to start evaluating the specific differences for that pet. So is it just one area of the paw that's affected? Is there one focal swelling, but the rest of the paws look great? Is it just the right rear paw that's affected, but the other paws look great? 
Because if you have one focal area that's associated with pododermatitis, maybe you truly do have a foreign body that's creating a draining tract. Maybe there's a tumor and we're worried about a melanoma. Obviously, things that have multiple areas affected and multiple paws affected are going to bring up other things that we're concerned about. So make sure to go back to the basics when you do have an owner coming in to talk about pododermatitis because you don't want to get so honed in on what the owner's complaining about that you forget to do your full exam and start to think of things like how many digits are affected, are the paw pads affected, are the ears affected, because that can give you a really good indication of things that are going on. Next, we have to go back to just thinking about the simple diagnostic tools that we can do in order to start the process of working up a case of pododermatitis. So going back to the first podcast, I can always bring cytology in in some shape or form into a derm case. So definitely cytology is going to be your minimum database to start the process of looking at a case of pododermatitis. And again, we're going to be looking for things like what type of infection is there? Is there a lot of bacteria? Are they cocci? Are they rods? Is there malassezia present? But especially in pododermatitis cases, those cases that get the really swollen digits and paws, the type of inflammation that is present can be really helpful for us under the microscope as well. So in a majority of these cases where let's say it is related to an allergy and we have a deep infection, you will typically see a pyogranulomatous inflammatory process. And so you're going to see a lot of neutrophils, but also a lot of big foamy macrophages because when you get those inflammatory cystic lesions associated with a deep infection, the body's going to start treating that deep infection and those ruptured hair follicles and the free-floating um, keratin in the deep tissue as a foreign body. And so essentially the reason you'll get a lot of that inflammatory process is from that body reacting to that hair shaft or that infection that is not supposed to be there. So we're always going to do our cytologies no matter what. But do not forget to do other basic things like skin scraping. We see lots of cases that get treated with steroids um, or don't get appropriately worked up. And then we will find that there's a lot of demodicosis present underneath the microscope. So when you're evaluating for things like demodex, especially in those uh, pododermatitis cases, you definitely want to try to do a skin scrape. And traditionally, we're looking for a deep skin scrape in these cases. Though the most important thing is to be squeezing the material out of the hair follicle. So certainly getting some blood will make you confident you have that. But you want to make sure when you're scraping that you're squeezing from deep. Because the mite itself lives deep in the hair follicle. And if you're squeezing and then scraping out the material that's coming through that squeeze, you're going to be more likely to actually pick up demodex mites. The other thing you can do if you have a patient that's really painful, and in some of these cases, you might actually have to give them mild sedation just to do your cytologies and skin scrapes. So don't be afraid of that because it's extremely important that we do figure out the, you know, the type of infection and if there's mites or not that are present. But if you have a patient that's painful and you can't sedate or, or don't want to sedate, you could try something called a trichogram. So that's actually plucking hairs 
from the lesions and you want to get a lot of them and you want to pluck from the root because again these mites live deep in the follicle then you can put the hairs on a slide that has mineral oil on it and then you can actually evaluate and look for demodex in those cases sometimes when i have periocular so around the eye hair loss and i'm worried about demodex Obviously, doing a scrape by the eye would be really scary, and I am not an ophthalmologist, nor do I want to be, so I certainly do not want to be um, risk, uh, risking trauma to the eyeball. So I will often do trichogram in those cases, but sometimes I'll do them uh, associated with my claws as well if the pet is really painful and we have a reason we can't sedate to get our sample. So a trichogram is another option to evaluate for demodex in these cases, but again, you want to make sure that you're getting deep and a lot of hairs because you're not often going to get as many mites present on a trichogram compared to if you scrape. So you really need to increase the chances you will find them. Culture and sensitivity, if you are finding a lot of infection, especially if there is a lot of inflammation present and the animal's already been on antibiotics, then you do not want to skip the culture and sensitivity because these deep infections often require a pretty long course of antibiotics and we want to make sure we have the right one. If it is a case that you are really concerned something could be going on, they're not responding to medications, the animal's really painful, do not be afraid to biopsy these cases. Even though oftentimes they are a pyogranulomatous inflammatory process, there are other strange things like neoplastic processes or autoimmune processes that can really cause some severe cases of pododermatitis, and you do not want to be missing that. So do not forget that biopsy can be done in these cases, even if it just comes back as pyogranulomatous inflammation associated with a deep infection from allergies, that is still a ton of information that's important to us to know. Once you um, have your basics done, if you do think there's a deep infection associated with a systemic disease process, don't forget about the underlying problem that can cause these infections. They're not all allergies. You might need to do lab work, to look for something like an endocrinopathy. Of course, there could be diet trials or allergy testing if we do suspect that the, the patient is having the deep infection associated with allergies. But there's other things like the endocrinopathies or the neoplastic uh, cases that can lead to pododermatitis. When we diagnose infection, do not stop there. Secondary infection is just that. It is secondary. You have to keep looking for what is causing the problem. So even if you find an abundance of bacteria and you treat the case with the right antimicrobials and the case looks great, start planting that seed to the owner that there has to be a reason this happened because these cases can become very chronic. They can get scarred. They can become irreversible in some really bad cases. And so you want to be looking for that underlying cause, just like the ear infections or the other superficial skin infections, there has to be a reason that this has happened. So start planting that seed early, even if you have to spend some time cleaning up the infection first, make sure the owners know that figuring out the primary cause will be extremely important so we can prevent this from happening again and not have the animal become one of those cases that does get really scarred and irreversible. So looking a little bit at the more common things that can cause 
pododermatitis. So we already mentioned Demodex, and that is certainly one of the more common things that we see. What's really amazing is since the isoxazoline class of flea control has come out, and this includes Semperica, Brevecto, Cordelio, and Nexgard, they've become really awesome treatment options for demodicosis and for ruling out other types of mites, even scabies. It's obviously an off-label use of the product, but there's lots of literature that supports these products being very successful. We don't necessarily have to use things like ivermectin, which can have a lot of side effects anymore. So it's a really great option for owners to use, and they should really be on good flea control anyway. <laughs> so it's a good thing for us that we can use a flea control that's really effective for our cases that can also treat these mites. If you do find a case of Demodex, Again, the underlying problem, if it's an older dog, is really important to start looking for. So if it's a young dog, you know, under a year of age, a lot of those cases will go into remission and not become an issue ever again. But if you have a 10-year-old dog who all of a sudden breaks out with uh, Demodex on the paws, we want to start running some lab work. We want to start um, doing some ultrasounds and evaluating for that underlying issue because you could have something like Cushing's disease or hypothyroidism or neoplastic disease that's leading to the reduction in that pet's immune system that's allowing these mites to proliferate and cause issues. Another thing to not forget as far as looking for underlying causes of pododermatitis is dermatophyte. So dermatophyte's really a great mimicker. It can look like tons of things. People sometimes want to think of the classic ring and it should look like ringworm, this perfect little ring of pinkness and hair loss, but I hardly see dermatophyte present that way. Dermatophyte can absolutely affect the digits in the paws and it can really look like anything. It can be erythematous, it can be crusty, it can be scaly. Sometimes people think that these Cases shouldn't be itchy, but I have seen them be itchy because a lot of time there's a secondary pyoderma that's present. So if you have a case you're suspecting that dermatophyte is present, I would recommend doing a culture to rule that out. There is also the PCR test, which is really nice because if it does come back positive, you get the answer very quickly. And this is just for diagnosis. You get the answer back within a couple days. But if the PCR test is negative, you still want to have the culture as an option because I have had cases where the PCR comes back negative, but then the DTM culture, which we in our hospital send out to a lab, the DTM culture will still come back, came back positive on a couple cases about 10 days later. So there is some combination testing through some of these labs like IDEX where you can actually send out um, a sample that they'll do both PCR testing and culture on, which I think is a great option just to really rule that out, uh, rule that out as being a cause. Treatment options, you know, obviously there's topical therapy, there's creams like terbinafine, um, there's malicep shampoo, lime sulfur, if they're really severe cases and certainly treating them systemically with something like you know, fluconazole or itraconazole or sometimes terbinafine in cases, especially if they have a history of liver issues can be really helpful. So it really depends on the particular case and how severe they are if you get a case of dermatophyte. But you want to treat it just like any other dermatophyte case. So you would still want to start treatment, whatever that looks like for that particular case. And we can get deeper into treatment options in a different podcast. 
And then you want to get at least two, if not three, depending on the severity, negative cultures a month apart before you discontinue treatment because an uh, animal can look completely normal being treated for dermatophyte and you could still find some positive cultures and we know we have to extend treatment in those cases. Obviously, one of the more typical things that we deal with with pododermatitis are allergic causes. So this could be food, environmental, a contact allergy, depending on if they're walking on something that they're having a contact sensitivity to. Those are gonna be the more common ones causing paw licking. Obviously, flea allergy is always something that we have to keep in mind, but traditionally, if they're just flea allergic, they're probably not just chewing at the paws. But definitely good flea control is always a good idea in any case of allergies. Sometimes you need to just start with controlling the infection and decreasing the inflammation before you can truly work up the full allergy. So if you have a very severe pododermatitis case, I had one recently that came in barely walking because there's just so much swelling and infection on the paws. So sometimes you need to just control the inflammation and treat the infection first. And often you can just treat that deep infection and the pets will feel a lot better even if you don't put them on anything else. But if there's a severe amount of inflammatory cells, if there's a lot of interdigital cysts, you might need to put them on a short course of oral steroids or cyclosporin just to reduce that itch. But once you get that inflammatory process calmed down, then you could try to move on to the alternatives for allergies such as allergy testing or Apoquil or Cytopoint. So when you do these cases, you want to make sure that you're thinking of the short-term comfort of the animal, what's going to make them feel good the fastest, and a lot of times that truly is getting the infection under control, but also be thinking of that long-term plan of what's going to control our allergies. And it may be that you need something short-term like a low-dose steroid, but then once we have the disease under control, we can flip to something safer long-term. So you don't have to feel like once you pick something to treat a allergy patient, you have to stay with that. Sometimes we have to fluctuate what these animals are on based on the severity of their skin disease now and what's going on now, but then we can change it once we have the more severe lesions under control. The difficult thing about some of these cases are the really chronic inflammatory pododermatitis cases. And these are the cases where it's been going on for several years, recurrent infection, scar tissue, and a lot of these animals have some conformation issues that also make them susceptible to developing that scarring in that uh, infection. So you could think of your cases like the English Bulldogs or the Bull Terriers who walk around and probably distribute weight in a different way. Plus they probably have allergies on top of that and chronic infections. So when you see those cases that just have really thick built up scar tissue and you have done the best you can to decrease the inflammation and to decrease the infection, you may need to think about something unfortunately like a podoplasty. And that is not a bad option to send some of these cases to surgery to remove that really bad disease tissue and they could do a partial podoplasty or a full podoplasty because that really built up thick hardened scar tissue is not something we're going to be able to reverse medically. So if we have that combating us, and I, I attribute this or think about this in the way that I think about that really rock hard calcified cocker spaniel ear, where there's just nothing you can do for that particular 
tissue. It is irreversible at that point. That's how these cases can be when they get that hardened calcified um, mineralized tissue in between their digits. And those are ones that can really benefit if the owners are open to it, for, to seeing a surgeon and having that tissue removed so that they can be more comfortable. And a lot of them do great and even walk better once that disease tissue is removed because they've had that pain and that, you know, that pruritus and that inflammatory process as they're walking around anyway. So even if we remove that disease tissue and they have to fuse some of those toes together, they don't know. They feel better. It's like when you have the tikaboo for that really bad case and owners come back saying they're acting like a puppy again. That inflamed, really nasty tissue sometimes just needs to be taken away. Moving on to autoimmune diseases. So we're not going to cover um, paw pad diseases like I talked about earlier, but you still can get pemphigus and lupus, vasculitis that can affect um, the actual digits or the paws besides the paw pads. So again, that's where biopsy, if things aren't really lining up, do not be afraid to biopsy these cases once you clear up the infection because you can get some really bizarre autoimmune diseases like pemphigus foliaceus that can present with swollen digits. Um, we know in cats especially, they like to get the clawful disease associated with pemphigus. But most of the pododermatitis cases we're seeing are dogs. And pemphigus really can be a complicating um, disease process that can look like other causes of pododermatitis, such as a deep infection associated with allergies, if we don't identify it through biopsy. So again, do not be afraid to biopsy these cases if you've cleared up the infection and we're just not making the progress we want. Also, you want to pick up on those neoplastic processes. So again, if you clean up the infection, but there's still a swollen area sitting between the digits. Um, recently, we took a plasma cell tumor, so plasma cytoma, off of part of a digit of a dog that had been treated for a suspected pyogranulomatous dermatitis, but we found out through treating infection and doing a biopsy that actually was a plasma cytoma that the dog was just licking excessively because of the discomfort of it being between the digits. So you want to, once you clean up the infection, really start looking for the differentials. How many toes are affected? Are there other lesions on the body that are affected? What is our response to other therapies been at this point? The one last thing I do want to talk about is looking for deep infection. If you have a case of really deep infection and you're going to biopsy them, doing something like a macerated tissue culture can be really beneficial in these cases. You do not want to just swab the top part of the skin because the deep infection and you want to run aerobic and anaerobic culture on this macerated tissue because the deep infection can be very different in the middle of that chronic scarred tissue compared to what's just sitting on top of the skin. So you either want to take a macerated tissue culture, which to do that, you clean an area above the swelling, you take a punch biopsy, and then you take that punch biopsy, you put it in a sterile tube with just a little bit of saline, and then you can send it out to a lab for them to actually do a culture on the tissue itself. And that should help you isolate the more deep infection in that case. The other option you can do if you're unable to do a biopsy is you can try to uh, sterilize the top, but then squeeze out a bunch of debris and pus from the deep part of the tissue and then sample that. Again, you wanna be getting the deep part of the tissue for these more deep pyodermas so that you get a representation of the antibiotic sensitivities 
that would truly make this patient resolve when you put them on antimicrobials. So there is your down and dirty on pododermatitis. Just a few of the more common things that we see associated with these inflammatory paw diseases. I hope as always you guys will remember to cytology everything because it's so, so important in any case that we deal with. And if you have any specific questions about pododermatitis, feel free to check out my Instagram and my Facebook page where we do cover some specific cases. Until the next Derm case, I hope you guys have an amazing morning or afternoon or evening wherever you are. And let's make Derm more fun than frustrating.